Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Wardy. My guest today is Logan Lee, whose company Wine Awesomeness is what? Wine Awesomeness. Great question. Good way to start. Wine Awesomeness is a very fun way for millennials in the U.S. to discover wine. We do that in a kind of a, a couple ways, but I would always start kind of broadly with the U.S. market. Last year, millennials consumed 42 ish percent of all the wine in the United States. It's the biggest wine drinking generation ever. So we're very focused on that, that customer in helping them discover more wines. And we do that through a couple ways, uh, wine club, e-commerce, and a, uh, a really great blog that is thebacklabel.com. Are you a millennial? I am on the old end of the generation. Are you a millennial? Yes, I am a millennial. Okay. Proud one. So when were you born? Uh, 1983. Where did the idea of wine awesomeness come from? What what were you doing before you founded this? Before starting the business, we're just over four years old. I was in recruiting, executive search, helping people find great, what I thought were great jobs. Based, where were you based? Based in Charleston, South Carolina. And your home state is? My home state is, I would say, Charleston, South Carolina is home, but our business now is based in New York City, but was focused on recruiting and helping companies build teams. And as a typical millennial, I kind of wanted something more and really be a part of the business, not just help people find kind of the, the best job for them. And out of that, I was at the same time realizing my friends were drinking more and more wine. And that was, I started realizing I was drinking more wine and it just was a very, uh, a collision of moments in life. And we were a bit naive, my co-founder and I, who runs uh, technology and operations, we were just kind of a bit naive and dumb enough to start a business and kind of held on for dear life. How did you capitalize uh, what you were doing? How did you pay for what you were doing? Did it require a big upfront investment or was it just a question of tapping a few buttons on a laptop and sitting back and enjoying the ride? It was definitely not as simple as tapping a few buttons. That is for sure. We've raised capital from some really amazing uh, individual investors that have done all kinds of backgrounds from finance and banking to startups and digital media and e-commerce. And that was part of one of the big reasons for moving moving from Charleston to New York was that we needed to one, really even learn how to raise capital. And we hang out with more hipsters. Plenty of hipsters. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, so I'm uh, guilty as charged. But um, I think uh, also just learning how to raise capital was a big piece for us. Like I said, we're in the beginning, we were very naive. And, and we were smart enough that we could get a website up and, and figure out if we had something that could be a business. But we were definitely naive and not quite understanding everything we needed to know What were you like in as advance. A, what were you like as a kid at school? I mean, that was in South Carolina, presumably. Were you yeah. a good kid, smart kid? Were you the head of the? Were you a leader, follower? I would say that kind of all of the above in just different ways. But I've never one that has been really always would just follow the rules because somebody told you it had to be a way. I kind of wanted to. I would definitely press the envelope and figure out if there was a way that I wanted to do it instead of listening to somebody else. Do you have any siblings? Uh, two younger brothers. I'm the, the firstborn. Is that an influence? The fact that you want to just be your own man? And... I mean, I, I suppose uh, a a little bit. We're all kind of spread apart uh, a bit. We're like four years apart each. So I guess. I got it on my own a little bit, but I was definitely just not afraid to kind of march to the beat of my own drum. Okay, so Wine Awesomeness is based in New York, as are you. So what is it? What what do I, if I go on wineawesomeness.com, I presume you have that's your... Yep, exactly. So I think, what is Wine Awesomeness known for? I think we're known, I think really our calling card is our our subscription. Each month we curate six different bottles of wine wrapped around some sort of really interesting theme of a way for people to discover wine. That could be, for example, we, we produce a print 
magazine that goes with our box each month. In September, we did Burger Month, and it was this, just the six best wines that paired with hamburgers. We could do a tour of a region this this past year. We've done some fun stuff with regions in France and also with Portugal. Um, just making it a very experiential way to discover wine. So each month, we curate six different wines paired with recipes, music suggestions, tasting notes, just making it really fun, but also a little bit of authority, learning something, but not doing it in a way that you feel like somebody's uh, teaching you or talking down to you. Okay, so the first question is about the wines that you choose and who you work with to get those wines. Presumably, you're having to buy from third parties, from importers, distributors, even retailers, or do you bring the wines in yourself? So we've worked with all of the above. I mean, we want to work, uh, we think of it a little bit differently. In the States, you have this three-tiered system. I think we think we wanted to be as close to the winemaker as possible, whether that means we're helping import that wine, working with an importer or distributor. We want to know the story of of the wine, who made it, where is it, where is it from, what are the grapes, why is this interesting, and getting as close to the winemaker, I think, is is when we are at our best. And that also saves money, isn't it? Doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the business model is is definitely if you can. If you can get to the winery and, and present a really great value proposition for the winery, why they want to work with you, um, and I think we add a lot of value to how wineries are currently marketing themselves. But of course, if you don't have to pass through wine through multiple businesses, then there's more margin on that. The business model makes a lot more sense. So do you do your own labels? Say, do you import a vat of red wine from, from Tuscany, for example? Do you stick your own label on it or design a funky label? Or are you still going to buy, you know, Castello Toscana's wine made by the Castello Toscana family and you just happen to put it in that box and says this goes really well with a burger? We get as close to almost, I would say we do not import bladders of bulk juice, manipulate it in a few different ways and slap a cute label on it and call it three different things. That is not our style. We work with real brands. This past year, we've actually helped with winemakers to build four brands, which I think some people would might would say is a private label. We kind of think of it more as a partnership label. And when we we did our very first one with a really really cool wine uh, winery in uh, Sonoma, and it was a just a, a very a very entry level but fun Pinot Noir. And I actually wrote the story that went in the magazine and talked about what is actually going on within bulk wine and and how some of these private labels exist. And yes, this is technically fits in that category, but this is why we did it. This is who we worked with. This is where the juice came from, and the winery loved it. So I think there's there is some new quite a bit of nuance. Is Wine Awesomeness a trendsetter or a follower or both? I think we are very good at discovering really cool wines and telling those stories. I think we look in the beginning. We didn't realize that in the U.S. millennials were just becoming more and more a wine drinking generation. So we look really smart now, but I think we just did it because these are things we cared about personally. But I think we definitely can influence the market, and I think we can definitely be an attractive partner. I just don't think we think of ourselves as being uh, trendy, but we want to be, we want to do things first. I mean, we don't want to. I get really bummed when somebody else has a better idea than us. I want us to be as innovative as possible and, and find some of the some emerging or indigenous varietals and, and be one of the first to get those bottles to 20-somethings. So when the box arrives, I order a box of wine through Wine Awesomeness. What actually arrives a box and then I open it, what's going to be inside? So when you order from WineAwesomeness.com and you become a subscriber, you can do three reds, three whites, a variety of three or all six. You'll get a really amazing neon blue box. will show up at your doorstep and very I like to joke that Wine Awesomeness, we're the most serious wine company ever. So it's a very fun and loud box that 
that's really great. You'll open it up. You'll have a magazine for whatever that month's theme is or that journey, that adventure that we're trying to really package within that box. So wanting not just to be a, a handful of bottles that show up, a real experience. You'll see the magazine. You'll be like, oh, this month is all about burgers or Portugal or whatever that is. And you'll dig into your selection. Okay. So you, do you write the editorial in that little... The, the we have an awesome it? editor. Uh, we have a full... I would we have, we, wine we, he's not going to be... Well, we got yeah, a really dreary Mediocre. Editor. We have a very immediate now. A young woman named Alex Pastron is our, our lead editor. She has a team of freelance writers, a couple writers on staff. We have videographers, graphic design. We really think of ourselves a lot as a real magazine, but instead of having a bunch of advertisers in the ads, like literal ads, like an old school magazine, that we've monetized the business through through selling wine and, t- and telling those stories. So the, so the little magazine or the, the bit that you read in the box is just about the wines. It's not about, you know, somebody putting an advert in there saying, my wine is great. Oh, no, it's it will be, an ex- there'll be tasting notes, kind of pairings, and there'll also be like deeper dive articles on what's going on in XYZ region or check out this, this specific winemaker. I think stuff that maybe longer format that fits better for print than I think in the digital world, it's everything is kind of being very click based. This is an opportunity to be a little bit more longer format and and really tell the story. So on your website, presumably you can read all that as well. I would sure. Assume. Yeah, all of it's all that that magazine is distributed digitally as well. We have about almost just short of a million and a half email newsletter subscribers, engaged social audience, and and we take those stories really seriously. Everything lives on its own domain, thebacklabel.com. It's you can enjoy the content without having to be a subscriber. So if I didn't know who you were and I bumped into you and someone introduced me, introduced you to me at a party, I would, uh, you know, I had to sort of, you know, you also sort of judge people. So definite hipster, probably from New York, probably works in the art in the arts, you, know, you could be a journalist, you could be like someone who works in movies, you know, you've got that kind of aura about you. And it's funny, you know, kind of people think wine is boring, don't they, often. What you're bringing to, I think, is some kind of form of, obviously, excitement and anticipation and entertainment. Well, I think all of us, so who I am, I hopefully becomes personified into into the business and, and obviously our team, I think we're all very different, have different skill sets and it's a very diverse group. But I think it's time, especially for this big generation in, in America that's drinking wine, that it doesn't have to be stuffy, it doesn't have to be snobby. It's one of the coolest things. It already is super cool. And it's something that people want to learn about and are traveling all over the world and is, is unique. And if you're wearing your Brooklyn hipster jeans or you're wearing cargo shorts, whatever it is, I think that the idea of wine should be very open and accessible. And uh, I don't mind personally pushing the envelope a little bit, whether that is how you're dressed. I think it's I think it's a way to kind of push back on something that the industry can be a little bit pretentious and a little bit snobby. And I think it would be better for all of us if we were having being more open and more accessible and and having welcoming more and more wine drinkers, which was really what is the case, I think is what's happening. But I think sometimes wine is kind of like a look can be a little bit of a club. Do you think some of the and we have um, some quite well established. I'm from the UK. Um, wine clubs have been going for maybe I don't know 30 years, like mail order. And I'm not saying that they are, but just say they're a little bit stuffy or a little bit old fashioned or or whatever. Do you think there's a risk or, um, or would you be happy if they copied some of the things that you're doing or could they say, oh, they've just copied our idea and just jazzed it up and made it a bit more trendy with those young men with their fancy website terms and millennials and things like that? Is that? I think people are, I mean, I think people already do copy us and I think that's great. I think I look at that as really as a compliment. I don't want to, I mean, we will always innovate and we're always going to learn from other people, but I think from just being 
as an entrepreneur, I want to be a part of things that are leading innovation and doing things a little bit differently. And if those things work and you build a business, obviously people are going to come and, and copy you. I think it's uh, that's a pretty natural kind of phenomenon. So obviously wine is heavy and fragile and difficult to transport and subject to lots of regulations. Obviously the way you're doing it, you're sort of doing the back end. You, the wine is already in the US, all the paperwork has been done, and you're managing to deliver it safely without the bottles breaking with a lovely pack with lots of uh, information in there to your customers. If you could look at Amazon that kind of almost started like that, but selling lots of stuff, are you going to expand and, and do offers like I know on, on wine paraphernalia, corkscrews or, or wine tours, tours to wine regions or selling CDs or films or whatever it is, or subscription online? Is it going to expand? Is this just the beginning of something or is it, is it just simply a mail order wine sales? We do um, we do some accessories. The most the most popular accessory Don't is Don't tell me they're gonna be hipster accessories. Is, is a bra- is a bracelet that doubles <laughs> as a flask to hide your wine in. Okay. It's uh, I don't think it's very hipster, but it, it's very female focused and women tend to love it. Uh, so we're interested in accessories. We're interested in building I think there's a big business to build within wine. It's a sixty billion dollar space in the United States. Um, I hope I always say as I a line I a lot of cliches that I and BS that I'll spout out and just trying to be fun. You've been okay um, so far. Um, is that I think we're always I hope we're always just getting started like it's enjoy the ride enjoy the journey and we've made a lot of progress in four years but we're always just getting started so I hopefully there's a a big business to build I'm going to finish this by saying awesome thanks very much Logan Lee of Wine Awesomeness for coming in it's a fascinating project it's obviously successful and it will only get bigger I'm quite sure of that cheers thank you thanks very much thanks follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram